helping church leaders amplify their impact and reach their communities. This is the Amplified Impact Podcast. Hey church communicators, Johnny Flash here. This is the Amplified Impact Podcast, where we help church leaders like you amplify your impact and reach your community. Thanks for joining the conversation. Our special guest today is Jonathan Mom. He is a veteran church communicator, and we've got a few resources that I'm going to tell you about a little bit later on. So lots of great stuff today. First, let me introduce our guest. Jonathan Mom is the author of several books. He is a coach and he runs several successful websites. You may know him from Sunday Magazine or Church Stage Design Ideas or his latest project, Sunday Social. He's got lots of incredible insights. Here's my conversation with Jonathan Malm. Hey Jonathan, uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Um, It's great to have you on. I think I was first connected to you back, and I don't know if you even remember this, um, our mutual friend Paul Snyder uh, mm-hmm. connected us back in 2012. He sent me, first he sent me your Sunday Magazine um, issue that you had written or whatever, he forwarded it to our whole team. And then I met you in person actually in at the Echo Conference in 2013. Do you remember that? Yeah. We were backstage. I can't even remember. It was probably like between sessions or something. Paul's like, I know Jonathan. He can get us backstage or whatever. And so it was like <laughs> a group of us went back there with you. So, uh, so yeah, I've been following you a long time. So thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Glad to be here. Say, so I know you're doing all these different things with Sunday Social and church stage designs and eBooks and everything. But I want to go back, if we could, to the very beginning, like before all of that, you know, how did you kind of in your early years, how did you get um, inspired to do ministry? Like how did, you know, all of these things that you've done kind of come about in the early before, before they all, what was the genesis? Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up as a missionary kid uh, in Guatemala for about six years and we did, you know, stuff out in the mountains and orphanages, feeding centers. So kind of ministry, if you will, it's always been part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved back to the United States uh, where my dad founded a missions organization that has, I think now, like 500-something missionaries around the world. Like wow. they've, just, they've just blown up. Wow. Uh, but then in the middle of that, he was uh, invited to pastor a church that um, he had met my, my mom in. Um, it had just gone through like a massive church split. It was in another city. So he hmm. went for some reason to pastor this church that was, you know, a million dollars in debt and had maybe 75 people uh, wow. that were still attending after all the mess. Mm, and mm. that's where I went to college. I, I finished out high school and went to college mm-hmm. in Corpus Christi, Texas, where we were pastoring that church. And so, you know, being a pastor's kid, you just kind of start doing stuff that needs to be done around the church. And uh, obviously, wanting me wanting to make it the church that I would want to attend mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a college student. So that was part of it. My dad actually gave me some some trust and some authority and hmm. eventually brought me on staff whenever I was almost done with college, then full-time on, and I was out of college uh, doing, you know, everything, like every creative person can relate to. I did, you know, the, the bulletin, the videos, the website, every single thing there was. And of course, IT, because I was the only one who knew how to use a computer, right? Like everyone needed Excel help, even though I didn't know Excel. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the, that's the nature of the beast, right? Yeah, so, yeah did that and then I just started you know I was interested I've always kind of done websites and mm-hmm. um, always kind of created free websites like my first I sold my first 
uh, website when I was, I think, 14. Nice. Uh, it was like a clip art site. Uh, <laughs> and then I made a site about JavaScript, all these random things that I do. I am just kind of love starting businesses. and mm-hmm. So I started blogging about kind of church creativity, what I was doing in my, my church, what I was learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed that it seemed to be a lot of people were looking for stage design, which we I didn't really know that was a thing. I just knew that I wanted to modernize our church that was built mm-hmm. in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So I kind of experimented. I did it all wrong and way more expensive than it needed to be, but uh, posted it up on the site, saw people were finding that. And I said, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe like there's demand for this. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe like 100 people in the U.S. did it, right? So I put together the site and it just started growing. I was very intentional with reaching the people who I thought you know would want the site, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it started growing like crazy, and that sort of gave me the opportunity to do what I do now, where I just kind of help the help the church mm-hmm. with creative process and stage design still, and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. So, what were some of your challenges in the early days of of ministry? You know, when you're at your your dad's the pastor of the church. It's it sounds like it's was pretty small when you first started. What were some of the challenges that that you faced that you remember? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was budget, of course, because. Mm-hmm. We were a, a small church, and you know, I, I always wanted what the large churches had. Mm, mm. Uh, I always wanted the moving lights. I always wanted better camera equipment, better stage design stuff. But I, I learned to use what we had in mm-hmm. creative ways. Mm, so mm. I actually had we were I think we were maybe like two or three hundred. We had a, a public access TV show for some reason, even wow. though we had no doing that. Uh, and the the church the huge church down the road that mm-hmm. had all that stuff mm-hmm. came to us and said what are you guys doing somehow your program looks better than ours and you're wow. using like a sony handycam right <laughs> and so like just realizing uh that you know you can do a lot with what you have if, mm. you, if you just maximize it and mm. so that was a challenge mm. but i think that challenge i always talk to people who are working in small churches or you know maybe with extreme frustrations and i say you know you need to embrace this because i think everything that I learned that was valuable was from that time. Like, mm. you know, when I've worked with larger churches, I'm learning stuff, but it's not to the extent that I learned whenever I was under extreme limitations like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I just always try to encourage people, you know, embrace those because probably your ministry in life will come out of your ability to navigate those limiting waters that you're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about having those limitations that almost forces you to be more creative because you don't have that. You don't have any other option, right? You don't have all the resources. You don't have the big budget. And so there is something that, um, that that's kind of unique about having those limitations on you. Um, so kind of going in, kind of continuing along those lines. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are mostly church communicators, maybe they're communication director, admin assistant, maybe they're leading a small church and they're wearing many hats. And you know how it is. Sunday is always coming, right? It's just, it's like this train that will not stop. And uh, so, so how do you, how do you slow down in the church world? How do you have like a healthy balance where you can be creative, you can have those fresh ideas, but you don't just overwork yourself? How do you find a good balance? Yeah, I think the key is, and this is so difficult, even though we all read books about this, mm-hmm. is to embrace failure. Mm-hmm. So I would rather fail one Sunday and learn something that can help me in the next Sunday than to be mediocre at every Sunday. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you sacrifice the short game for the long game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so often we're we're so 
bound to the urgent, the urgent that comes up. We need to do this. We need to do this. This Sunday, I have to survive this Sunday. So we're just playing, you know, a dog paddle game where we're trying to keep our head above water. Yeah, totally. Instead of seeing the big picture and actually, you know, starting to get into the stroke of swimming and, and going the long game. So a lot of that means developing the people instead of instead of making the slides perfect this week, mm -hmm. develop someone who maybe does it like 20% of what you can do it, but give them the chance to start learning, start failing, start mm. experiencing. Mm. and let them start taking that away from you mm -hmm. again you're going to feel like it's a failure one sunday mm -hmm. but you have to think the long game there's 52 sundays in a year mm -hmm. if you're just surviving all those 52 you're going to be in the same place at the end of the year than you, that you were in the beginning of the year and that's not that's not a healthy place to be you're going to burn out quickly because you're going to feel like you're being in, uh, ineffective at your job mm -hmm. you're going to feel like man, there's all this potential but you just can't tap into it because you're mm -hmm. overworked yeah yeah there is this tendency i think for us creatives to want everything to be perfect, right? And so we spend an inordinate amount of time, a lot of times more time than we should on things, and we have a difficult time uh, letting go. You know, I think that's yeah. something that I would see over and over again is just, you know, trying to encourage people to let go, you know, to kind of like exactly what you said. Can you give us an example maybe of a time when um, you, there was a failure that kind of led to a lesson or growth or, or something along those lines. Does anything stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, I can think of a, a big shift that I made. I, I was the worship leader at our church, mm -hmm. uh, and I was, of course, doing everything else too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was so focused on amazing music, leading people, but then I noticed that there was this invisible barrier that was happening where I mm -hmm. felt like our band was killing it. We were rocking and rolling and so good. Mm. But I realized either because of the slides or because of the sound or because of lighting being weird, there were things like I felt like there was an, a, bar a barrier that I was hitting against. Mm. So I mm. actually decided I needed to step down from the worship and uh, not step down, step aside or whatever. Uh, to go to the tech booth. And so mm. I, I got mm. one of my, my, my guys to start leading worship who was underqualified and uh, he was like 16 maybe, just totally shouldn't have been in front of the church, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I said, you're gonna lead worship and I'm going to get our tech in order. So I started focusing on making the sound uh, pleasant and uh, actually full but not like hurting your ears, which was a big deal, especially mm -hmm, in a building mm -hmm. that had wood everywhere and was bouncing like crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure people can relate to that. Uh, and then getting our slides, getting our slide operators to to push the next slide two seconds before the, the, the lyrics actually had to be sung, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the worship actually improved even though maybe the quality of the worship leader mm. went down. Mm. Uh, our mm. experience on Sunday morning actually improved. So things like that, realizing, you know, I can, I can give this to someone else who can maybe do it at 50%, but then I can bring this other thing up that'll actually improve the whole gestalt. You know, the, the sum will be greater than the parts mm -hmm, of, of this mm -hmm. experience. So what was the response when you when you first made that shift? Was everyone like positive about it or did you face resistance or? No, I mean, I, I think there was a little bit of a resistance probably at first with, you know, congregation for the worship leader because they were very used to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was trying to lead the tech team from the stage. Which is always which a challenge, me. yeah. Yeah, so I think after the first couple of weeks, the tech booth started realizing, okay, like, like first of all, nobody was coming up to the sound guy telling them how the mix was bad because mm -hmm. I was fielding those comments. Sure. Uh, so I was almost becoming a protection for them. I did everything I could to make their job easier mm -hmm. and more mm -hmm. pleasant and actually to set them up to, to succeed. So there was a little resistance, but I think, it was a, it was a welcome change pretty quickly. People realized it was going to be a good thing. Hmm. 
For you, as you've kind of through all your different ministry time, what's been the point where you felt like you were the closest to burnout or or have you been able, have you been one of the few that's been able to like avoid that completely? I mean, I think we all kind of get to a point at some point where we're just kind of, for whatever reason, circumstances, energy, um, direction of the church, maybe the role that we're in where we just kind of get stuck or we kind of get frustrated. We kind of feel like we're burning out. What was there a time like that, that you went through? And, And then I guess, how did you, how did you kind of move on from that? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I think I was fortunate to not experience that. Hmm. I could see I was probably heading that direction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, frankly, my my walk with God was being substituted for my work at church. Hmm. Uh, so I was, you know, I was listening to the sermon six times a week probably mm-hmm. and all these things and and it just became uh my job instead of my relationship mm. and so that was heading that way fortunately my wife had the opportunity to go to school in another town mm-hmm. uh so i just had to quit like it wasn't like i was burning out like i was forced to quit before it was a problem so really you know when i left the church i was like man i'd probably still be working at the church if we hadn't moved like mm. i i loved the church still i was very involved in ministry but I do think that starting, you know, church stage ideas and kind of almost having this side project really helped uh, keep me from the burnout. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something I recommend to a lot of church creatives is if if your hobby and your spiritual walk and your job and your friendship, if all of that is tied up in the church, mm-hmm. uh, if that's all you have, that's a little bit dangerous because mm-hmm. all of a sudden one of those gets out of whack. You know, like there are times whenever you have to be confronted as an employee and, and maybe fired or something. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're just destroyed because everything was built up in that one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you have a side project, when you have something you're excited about, a creative outlet outside of church, I believe you can start kind of getting a little more, more perspective, getting friends that maybe won't reject you just because you got fired from the church. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be so uh, such, so much of a decimation of your life sure. if something goes, goes wrong with the church. Yeah. I was going to just zero in on one thing that you said there. I really like what you said, and folks, this is something that you can tweet out. You know, I think you you said your uh, when your work for God substitutes your walk with God, or something like that. And I I just think that's I think that's so easy to fall into that, you know. And I, I think I think you're really I think you're hitting on something there. Yeah, I, I mean, I still frankly struggle with that because I've I've been reading through the Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chronological Bible is like my new favorite thing because I actually see like the sequence of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so even then, like I'll be reading and I'm like, ooh, that needs to be a Sunday social tweet mm-hmm. or a Sunday social graphic or, mm-hmm. oh, that needs to be a blog post. And I have to stop myself and say, no, I'm reading the Bible. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm communicating with God right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's just such a key is we, we so often use – Every spiritual example, every story, every everything that should be just something that rejuvenates us, but instead we use it for our work because like, ooh, this will be such a good video or this will be such a good tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just having to force myself to say, no, I, I can come back to that in 10 minutes if I remember it, uh, but I'm going to choose to instead focus on this time with God right now. Hmm. Wow. That's good. That's it's good. tough. <laughs> I don't it, know. It's really hard. Do. That's right. Yeah. It's... Sometimes I have to, you know, make a little note and then come back to it, but uh, it, it's been something I've been working on. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about a couple of your eBooks and just some of the, the content in there. I know, um, one of your, and, and not eBooks, just your books in general. I know they're, I, I, I like the Kindle, so that's why I say eBook, yeah. but, um, 
you know, you've got uh, unwelcome, which is 50 ways to drive away first time visitors. And in there you talk about churches unintentionally driving away guests, um, you know, to their church. And you break the book up into kind of four main sections with the um, first impressions, the worship, the programming and the communication. Where do you think churches um, need to spend most of their time? I mean, and I know it varies from church to church, but if you were just kind of saying, hey, this is where you should start, where, what what area sh- would, would you recommend a church starting on? Yeah, I mean, I would recommend bring someone in who's never been to your church mm-hmm. and ask them to mark points in your service every time that they felt uncomfortable. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and every time they felt uncomfortable, figure out what caused them to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, that's really the, the whole point of it is, is you know, whenever I go to a church, I'm naturally going to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But as much as we can remove that discomfort and replace it with a positive feeling, that's going to benefit our visitors and uh, just our service in general. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, again, that discomfort will be at different places. Uh, the parking lot team was really awkward and they t- showed me to park in a place that wasn't right for me or something mm-hmm. like that. So that's a place of discomfort. So you just need to adjust that. I couldn't find a place to sit. Man, if worship's going on and you're walking up and down the aisles looking for a place to sit and worshipers are looking at you and mm-hmm. and just all eyes are on you, that's the most discomfort you'll probably f- feel on a, on a Sunday morning. So figure out how to make seating work better. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, you know, I couldn't find the bathroom and people were looking at me like I was an idiot for asking, that's a place you probably need to work on. If the worship was so bad that it was awkward, that's probably a place you need to work on. Mm-hmm. Maybe just, you know pull the team off and just have an acoustic a guy on acoustic guitar, uh, just do whatever you can to make it not uncomfortable. Mm. Um, cause I think that's the thing. I mean, I think our natural tendency is when, when we're uncomfortable is we, we get into a fight or flight response, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we either want to fight and like put up our defenses, uh, which means we're probably not going to receive anything from the message or from the worship mm-hmm. or we flight where we just run away. I've, I've been to a service where man, after the worship, I had to leave my wife hmm. and I had to leave because there was so much anxiety from the service. We're like, man, we don't <laughs> need this on a Wednesday in the middle of a very hectic week. Like we went there to be recharged hmm. and to be encouraged, mm-hmm. but instead we were, we were just stressed out. So we left. So that, I think that often happens. If you see people frequently leaving your service, uh, there's probably something going on that maybe you could ease the stress of it, either just by explaining what's going on or offering alternatives or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now I can hear, and I totally, I, I'm totally on board with what you're saying, but I can hear some people maybe listening to this podcast saying to themselves, well, people are supposed to feel a little uncomfortable. The spirit's supposed to work in them. You know, how, how do you, how do you, how do we wrestle with the kind of the uncomfortable that you're talking about, you know, yeah. which is like the parking people are awkward. The greeters are obnoxious. The worship is just terrible or whatever versus, you know, um, a little conviction, a little bit of like God working yeah. in our heart, you know, what would you say to someone who's kind of wrestling with what you're saying kind of and putting it in those other terms? Yeah, I think the key to all of this, and this is, this is a big topic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is let the Holy spirit do his work mm-hmm. and we do our work. So mm-hmm. it's the Holy spirit's job to, uh, comfort the afflicted and to inflict, afflict the comfortable, right? Mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm. the thing that we love to say. But oftentimes we think it's our job to convict people of unrighteousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not our job. Like our job is just to connect people to God, to point people to God. Mm-hmm. So if people are feeling convicted, man, that's a good thing because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit has the way of doing it in a way that works. Right, right. We don't. 
so if we're causing people to be uncomfortable, man, that's that's not very good. So you you know you think about Paul who says to to the Jew I become a Jew, to the to the Greek I become a Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says I do everything to to reach people so that I might win some. Mm. So that's our job is to do whatever we can to get out of the way, get ourselves out of the way, like get our annoying personalities, get our little weird quirks out of the way, so that people can actually hear from God and not hear our weirdness you know because mm-hmm. christianity christianity is a weird thing there's a lot of weirdness about christianity mm-hmm. a virgin birth that's pretty hard to swallow right yeah, like yeah. that's that's something we probably can't get away with like get away from mm-hmm. but you know our things about calling people brother like contextually like uh culturally that's maybe a little bit weird i'm not saying we need to stop doing that it's a fantastic symbol of mm-hmm. our 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 you know our brotherhood and our, our family nature but there are things that we do that and Jesus never told us to do that, mm-hmm. but we do them just because they're part of what we are. They're just yeah. our traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're a new church or an old church, you have traditions, and they're sometimes pretty weird. So yeah, and some weird lingo and mm-hmm. all different kinds of all kinds of different things. Yeah, hallelujah, brother! I'm just too blessed to be depressed. Like who talks like that in a, in the regular world? Like not even yeah. Christians talk like that in the regular world. Yeah, so yeah. things like that just can be you know can just feel like foreign language to people and make people feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know another thing that you're really passionate about is creativity, and mm-hmm. um, I know that's something that you're passionate about. And um, how do you help churches think more creatively? Like, if if someone's just like, "Hey, I, I'm just not feeling the creativity. It feels like we've been doing Easter the same way that we've done Easter the last five years, or just you know those types of things." Like, what? How would you encourage them? Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of times we have a, a misconception of creativity mm-hmm. in that we think it's about the arts. Mm-hmm. We think, oh, if we have the, the best song here, if we have the best dance piece, if we have the best. So consequently, what we do is we, we say, okay, here's our service. Now we got to add creativity to it. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. add these little things. Right. Uh, but really, they're just like vignettes. They're, they're just little like variety pieces. Mm-hmm. A- and you don't actually affect the overall product, which... So I believe starting from the baseline of saying, okay, mm-hmm. now what do we want to communicate to people and how can we do that in a creative way? Mm-hmm. So it's not saying, you know, what kind of video do we need this week? It's mm-hmm. saying, okay, we want to tell people about the love of God. What's a way to tell them that in a way that they've never thought of it before? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that, so that, you know, maybe you don't need to do a song. Maybe you don't need to do a video. Maybe instead you need to give something out at the end of service that will be a, a profound token that re- helps you remind you of what happened in the service. Hmm, hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there, there are thousands of ways to do creativity, but I think we often start worshiping the tools of creativity, mm-hmm. which would be the arts mm-hmm, or storytelling mm-hmm. or all these things, mm-hmm. instead of actually using creativity. We, we focus on the tools instead of focus on the drive behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a lot. There, it seems like there's a big drive in churches to to be creative, to come up with that next great video or that next great whatever that teaching moment is or whatever. And I, I think, you know, I think especially for some um, churches, you know, there's a pressure, and a lot of times it's even from the the lead pastor or someone who's you know in an authority role to say, hey, let's do exactly what this church over here that's well known and seems to have it all together like yeah. make it like you know i had a friend once who was who was designing a website for a, a large church and every time you know they would go to the church and say hey we need some design direction on this part of the site or this or whatever they would get the well 
just do it exactly like this church over here. And they would point them, you know, and, and so there's this tendency to just not even be creative. I mean, cause you know, and just kind of follow the path that seems to have worked, you know, even though you're in a totally different community with a different communicator and different budget and everything. Um, so how can churches learn from successful churches and churches that are maybe a little further down the road without losing their soul, if you will, or their own yeah. identity uh, in the process? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, and th- this, is, this is a big challenge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think the key to doing that is saying, okay, this is who we are. If I were to approach this video, how would I do it? Hmm forgetting everything, all the, all the inspiration that, you, that you've seen before. Mm-hmm. How would I do it? Think about how you would do it. And the cool thing is it'll often happen like you, you realize, man, uh, the video that I would have done is very similar to the one Elevation Church did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Like I've already, I've, already, I've already done the hard work of deciding what it would be. And then once I see what it is and say, oh, this actually works perfectly, then I can use that inspiration or then I can maybe follow that, that, that thing. But a lot of times I think we, we, again, think of creativity as these little vignettes or these little videos or these little things that we want to do and say, oh, man, let's just plug in that elevation video because it's so impacting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so consequently, the video is more impacting than the message. And that's ridiculous. Like, like I, I always get frustrated when I see mini movies that, you know, they're five minutes long and they basically tell a fully packaged story from start to end mm-hmm. and like, Man, what's the point of a message at that point? Yeah, like, I don't. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't tease me. You just gave me everything, and now I'm just going to add to it, and it's kind of going to be like annoying. It's like when you start the story from uh, over from the beginning again. Yeah, uh, it's not fun. So I love things that really just start kind of teasing the appetite, get you get you excited to hear mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the types of creative things that I love to see. Uh, I kind of went on off, off on a tangent oh, no, there. Okay. No, it's, it's good. But yeah, but th- that's the idea. Is just you know figuring out what do we want to do to accomplish this purpose. Hmm. And then you'll find that Church on the Move did a video that worked perfectly in that situation or that mm-hmm. that Life Church has a series package already created that worked right. perfectly in that situation. Yeah. Uh, but you start from the why mm-hmm. instead of starting from the what. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So, so Jonathan, tell us what you, what are you currently working on? You know, we've we've talked about some of the books you've written. We've talked about some of the other stuff. What, what are you What are you currently working on? Yeah, SundaySocial.tv is my new um, big passion project. Mm-hmm. Working with Joe Cavasso, it's a phenomenal designer yes. down in Mission, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we basically create social media graphics for churches every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a new social graphic with quotes, uh, encouragement, funny questions. Uh, uh, scriptures, song lyrics, all these things that you can basically post on your Instagram to engage people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It's a subscription-based service, really inexpensive each month. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that I'm really excited about because I love seeing churches using it and actually seeing how churches are realizing they're getting more engagement from it. Like people are posting like, hey, I've increased my church's engagement by 100% using these graphics. So uh, it's fun seeing that it's actually working. Like the idea was that, but Mm -hmm. then it's nice to see that it actually accomplished the idea, right? No, you guys have been putting out some great stuff. I saw um, the the Christmas graphics that you had given away for free in some of the Facebook groups and maybe other platforms as well, but really great stuff. I mean, Joe's phenomenal designer and uh, it's really cool what you guys are doing. So thanks for that. Yeah, we found it. We yeah. found a fun mix where I create the 
the kind of calendar of content and mm-hmm. then he just makes it awesome right like yeah so uh it, it's fun to kind of we i don't know we have a really fun dynamic working together you should see our slack communications we're just t- chatting all day with all the stuff that we're thinking of so that's it's cool fun. that's uh, cool. yeah i got a, got a few other uh books in the works mm-hmm. one coming out in 2018 which is like way far down the way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but just signed the contract on that the other day and uh also have another project with joe that i'm working on that's kind of secret okay that will probably hopefully release before easter okay but, wow yeah we'll, those we'll are, stay those tuned for that things. yeah that's good hey so what do you think the biggest challenge before we get into we uh, kind of do like an amplified impact lightning round here at the end but before we get into that what do you think the biggest challenges for the church communication world over the next 12 to 24 months yeah, I think it will be about adapting to the new way people communicate. Hmm. That's that's always the struggle. I think, um, you know, this whole thing about relevance that happened in the church a while back mm-hmm. was adapting to the new culture. Then creativity, adapting to the new culture. I've noticed that every generation is is, is kind of increasing the pace at which we change the way we communicate. Hmm. Like some hmm. people, if you don't understand the concept of Snapchat, mm-hmm. uh you got to find a teenager and start Snapchatting with them to yeah. figure it out, right? Yeah. Like I, that's what I started doing with my uh, 15-year-old sister-in-law. I started Snapchatting with her just to start understanding what she used it for. Hmm. And hmm. I realized it wasn't what I thought it was for. Right, like right, right. I kind of had the misconception, of course, that everyone had with Snapchat initially that it was something for shady stuff going on, really, right? Yeah, yeah. But as we started communicating, uh, I realized, man, I'm just sharing my everyday life with her. Like hmm. We're taking selfies back and forth, and I'm not a selfie taker. Mm-hmm. But in Snapchat, it makes sense because I'm sharing my life. It's almost like we're with each other mm-hmm. all day. Like mm-hmm. It's so cool. So there are going to be new platforms coming out that – will change the way people communicate. Mm. And if we don't get it, we're not going to be able to use it effectively. Mm. We're going to think, oh, it's just another Facebook or it's just another Instagram or it's just another Snapchat. But there are going to be things that we can't expect that are coming on, uh, coming up through the pipeline. And uh, we just have to be ready to, to, to reach out and learn and humble ourselves and talk to that 15-year-old who's using it and say, what do you use it for? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Let, let, I want to see what you're doing. Uh, and it takes a lot of humility to do that. Hmm, hmm. Do you have a favorite tool, a favorite platform or, or social media tool that is Snapchat? Is that one of them or what would you say right now? Man, it's, it's different for each thing. So Snapchat's one of those that I want to use for like a personal, mm-hmm. um, connection with people. I will never use it. Well, right now I will never use it for building a platform, right? Right, right. Uh, Instagram I love just cause it's so visual. Facebook is still one of those things that I love just because like the people that are at my church, I can connect with them, keep mm-hmm. keep in contact with them, and then Twitter is just sort of fun to to have this like professional contact with people. So mm-hmm. I use all of them um, pretty pretty frequently, uh, just for different purposes. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, the uh, Amplified Impact uh, is all about helping churches amplify. Um, their impact and reach their community. And so I'm going to ask Jonathan uh, a series of quick questions about reaching your community. And he's going to give us some amazing answers. No pressure, of course, Uh, (laughs) just quick, quick answers here. So uh, what's the number one thing any church communicator or director needs to know? What kind of question is that? What's the number one thing? thing? If someone's dropped into their communication director job and you're like, Hey, if, if you don't know anything else, know this okay let me see if i can word this communication uh doesn't happen unless the other person understands it Hmm. so you need to speak their language a lot of churches talk but they don't actually communicate okay that's good 
What's the best thing you've done to attract new visitors to church? Right now, I would say Facebook ads, mm -hmm. but previously at our church, we did public access television, and that because it was a religious channel, and we looked different than the other churches in town, that actually was phenomenal for us. Great, great. How do you develop your church brand? Being consistent with who you already are. How long a do you have to times, be consistent? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, for a while, but a lot of times when we're trying to be Elevation Church, that's not who your pastor is. That's not who mm. your worship leader is. Uh, you need to figure out who they are, and you can try to change them, but you won't. Mm. So mm. figure out who they are, who they reach, and then build your brand around that. So like uh, a church, uh, Christ Church of the Valley, they reach primarily men. And so they brand, their pastor reaches men. So they brand everything, even women's ministries, around men. Hmm. Will this be appealing hmm. to a man? They know very well who they're reaching, hmm. and they reach hmm. them phenomenally. Hmm. And they just are consistent with that. What's the most important aspect of a church communication strategy? Most important aspect of a church communication strategy is simplifying what you're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. Deciding one or two things to communicate and communicating them well. Instead of trying to communicate everything that everyone wants you to communicate, figure out what people actually need to hear. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for sermon series planning or promoting? I happen to have an ebook about that, actually. Okay, yeah, please, please. <laughs> give it, let That's us know. Yeah, developing a series. It's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, really, what it, it goes through is the the start of why you're doing a series. Mm -hmm. After you think you need to know why you're doing it, mm -hmm. uh, not just to be like the church down the road, but mm -hmm. why you're doing it, what you're trying to accomplish. This is the big thing I think a lot of churches forget about doing is it's it's just in, information. But instead, what are you trying to make people change at the end of the series? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to get people baptized? Are you trying to get people to give more? Are you trying to knowing the what what the end goal is mm -hmm. will help determine a lot of what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, so that probably would be my big tip, and that's just a portion of the book. But what is your end goal? Uh, having an actual action, what will be changed at the end of the series? Uh, and that, that's a huge thing. Yeah, and I think it's it's difficult for a lot of churches to articulate that. I think I think that's good. I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's one of those like, well, we just assume people know that they they need to start giving more, but no, this sermon series is going to teach you to start giving more mm -hmm. uh, and not being apologetic about it. This yeah. will teach you to pray more. This will teach you to. And I think a lot of times the pastors know, but a lot of the the people who fulfill the dream that the pastor has, the, the designers, the creative people, the worship leader, they don't actually know what the end goal is. They just hear the information. They don't hear the drive behind it. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite um, software tool or app that you use? Oh, I have a few. I love um, uh, Wonderlist, mm -hmm. which is my my uh, to-do list mm -hmm. uh, tool. Basically, I love it because I can just see just what I need to work on today. And if I get an email that requires an action, I just create a task mm -hmm. for like a week a week from now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so it helps me keep my inbox at zero. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just helps me not get overwhelmed with all the stuff I have to do. Yeah, I love Wonderlist. I've been using that for a long time. It's phenomenal. Um, any ideas for empowering church members to invite their friends? First of all, being consistent, mm -hmm. because the worst thing a visitor can experience is having to tell their friend that they invited, it's not normally like this. Mm -hmm. uh, so whenever you have that weird guest speaker that wasn't properly vetted, mm -hmm. uh, it's not normally like this. When you have that, um, yeah, all sorts of odd things that happen that are not the norm, yeah. uh, it's uncomfortable. So being consistent each week mm -hmm. with something that's good, something that's life-changing, something that has an invitation to, to accept Christ, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And then simply just suggesting people invite them. Like mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of times we forget to like 
mention, hey, invite your friends. Like, do that. Because I think a lot of times people don't realize, oh, I, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Good answers. Good answers. Thank you. Uh, so what's the best way for people to contact or reach out to you? Yeah, uh, Jonathan Malm is my Instagram handle, my Twitter handle, my Facebook handle, uh, jonathanmalm.com. Just reach out to me. I love, I love, love, love new friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like if you add me and you aren't obviously a spam person, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll accept you. Like cool. I do that. So uh, I'd love to connect with you on that way and uh, just see what's happening in each other's lives. And of course, Instagram's easy. I have an unhidden profile so people can add me there too and Twitter. Mm-hmm. But Instagram and Facebook are the main ones for actual like personal connection. Cool. Hey, final question. Uh, who would you recommend that I interview next? Um, and why? Joe Cavazos, because mm-hmm. I have a man crush on that guy. Like <laughs> he's awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he'd want to. He doesn't like doing interviews too much, but mm-hmm. he's he's someone that I, that I love mm-hmm. talking to. I think he's he's pretty brilliant. Okay. All right, Joe, you're going to be uh, expecting an email from me. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, thank you so much. This has been uh, just a pleasure to pick your brain and to hear a little bit about what you've what you've been through and, and where you're headed. And so thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely love it. Hey, we want to thank Jonathan for his time. We are better for it. And he said something near the end of our conversation there that I just want to key in on. He said, we're not all Elevation Church. We don't all have the same pastor or the same worship leader or whatever whatever church you admire down the road. And so we need to figure out who is on our team and who they reach and then build the church around that. I think that's so helpful. Again, you can follow him at jonathanmalm.com or on your favorite social media at Jonathan Malm. It's just J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-A-L-M. All right? And uh, go on Amazon, check out his books. Uh, They're all on there. Great resources. You don't want to miss those either. So great stuff. Hey, we've also got a few resources for you as well. We recorded a free training video called Seven Ways to Attract More Visitors to Your Church. It's jam-packed with lots of great ideas. Uh, Head over to AmplifiedImpact.org to take advantage of that. And we've also put together a free ebook called 52 Ways to Make Sunday Special. Uh, It's a great uh, resource that we talk about in the training video where you can uh, just get your creative juices flowing and think about how you can make this coming Sunday special. So head over to AmplifiedImpact.org slash Sunday special to download that as well. And if you want to get all the show notes um, from today's episode, just go to amplifiedimpact.org slash podcast and all of the links and resources that we've mentioned today are, are there on the page. And if you've got a few moments, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you think of the show um, that really helps us out and we love hearing from you all. So until next time, amp it up.